Hello, everybody. My name is Ilya, and I'm the CEO of Pouch Nation, uh, leading cashless payment and guest management system in Asia. And today we're kicking off our first podcast series on event tech in Asia. And I have a special guest here with me today, Gary from Thai Ticket Major. Gary, how are you today? Hi, Ilya. Good to see you. I'm fine. Uh, people know me as Gary, or my real name is Concrete. That's my Thai name. Uh, so I'm good. I'm good. And, and consider in this situation and pandemic, I think we're still lucky uh, and have my shots already. So I'm okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, today we're going we're gonna to get to know you a little bit more. So obviously, everybody knows Thai Ticket Major. Uh, which is the leading ticketing company in, in Thailand. Uh, but uh, we also want to discover more a little bit about you, about your, your background. Uh, so uh, I will torture you a little bit with, with some personal questions. A anything you don't want to mention, obviously, feel free to omit. Um, but um, uh, before, obviously, now you're covering the role of Deputy Managing Director of Thai Ticket Major. But let's go a little bit back in time. And uh, I would love to hear on uh, how did you start your career? Were you always working in the uh, event tech space or you were doing something else beforehand? Well, I have a background in technical. I'm a, actually an engineer. I have uh, both electrical and computer engineering degree. And uh, so I joined uh, first when I came out from my school, then I joined industry in airline industry and actually I was working for Thai Airways in uh, Thai Airways in Thailand and I was working there for quite a while uh, in technical in manager in, in traveling the world uh, handling all the offices uh, connecting all the offices worldwide so I've always been in the uh, technical skills and, and managing skill and then uh, then after many, many years, and I decided, well, I wanted something more challenging, more entertaining. Uh, and I was involved in some entertaining business, and then I decided to join. Uh, so I... When I was it? Was how, how, how many years ago was that? Well, my first involvement in uh, entertainment, in ticketing, uh, went back to 1993. Actually, it was a bit before that, but the big one was 1993 uh, when we did Michael Jackson in Thailand. So wow. at, at that time, we were doing ticketing. Um, the word event tech, it does not exist then. The only have event. There's no technology. So in those days, you were selling tickets in manual place uh, with if it's a paper, then you write your, your seats or you write your, your performance time and then you rip the ticket, take the money and hand over the tickets, right? So those are the day where you have stocks of tickets that you write and then you rip or you just sell it manually through your outlets or whatever you set up your booth. So, so no, no online portals, <laughs> no online portals, no, no. booking tickets. So everything no. really, really manual and probably people were still keeping, I remember you showed me once your collection of uh, of tickets right the physical one so people still probably keep it as a souvenir ah yes yes well my first ticket was uh 1993 which is michael jackson wow tickets, wow right so it was 1993 in august so this is a plastic card tickets so what we did in those days so they were manually sold so the, all the seatings are written at the back and the pricing so it was a uh, you know sorry if i show you two different colors and there was you know so fantastic 
So we still have that the ticket last. So how long, how, how many years is that already? Almost 30 years now, <laughs> almost. And, and, and how, <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, how was it back in the days? I mean, obviously, as you said, there was no, uh, no technology on online portals of selling it. I mean, uh, how were the logistics? How, how were you managing all these thousands of tickets? Uh, was it like very manual processes? And, and just curious. It's all manual process. You have, you have your runners going around each uh, department store that you set an outlet, you collect the money, you count the ticket left over, and you try to make a daily report of, of how many tickets you sold, how many you have left. So it was a, a phenomenon of what they call a ticket hunting, right? Where you go to some outlet and the ticket is sold out and you hear that there's another tickets, uh, area of tickets available at the different outlets that you set up. So people were traveling around, trying to line up or try to acquire the tickets that they want. So they, they, that's, that's one of the fun in those days. You know, well, the, the old scalpers, right? So they would go first and, you know, get in line and get as many tickets as they could to then resell and, and maybe make some extra profit, right? Correct, correct. Well, that, that scalping still exists. Until still now. exists now, right? It exists, yes. So those were the days of, uh, of uh, selling tickets that I got involved. So it was all manual tickets, right? Since um, long before Michael Jackson was doing paper tickets before. So I was involved in in helping the event. So after that, then uh, when we became online ticket in 1999 or year 2000, then uh, that's when we start online tickets. We have online checking and printings and, and selling ticket online and booking. So it was about seven or eight years uh, of manual sale before we actually have an online tickets you know, in, in 2000. And, and how I'm just very curious, right? Because obviously, as I said, since you've been so many years in this industry and you went through all these different phases of innovation, right? So at the beginning, very manual. Then after seven years, you launched your first ticketing portal. I mean, how was the, you know, how was the experience at that time? Were like people like, is it, was it something completely new or they were really like, you know, very keen to go and start purchasing tickets online? Uh, you know, how did you live that phase? I'm just very curious, right? Because obviously it was something very new at that time for, for, for Thailand. Uh, well, it, it's like anything that you introduce to the market, right? Uh, example, like ATM machine. When you first introduce ATM machine, nobody goes to ATM because they still want to go to the outlet. Uh, same thing when you introduce online, you have slowly people switch to online. Uh, but again, even now, after 30 years, uh, you still see that happen in some countries. The online sales are not big because people out in the rural or area where they, they can't access internet or they're not comfortable with internet or they cannot make payment, they still have to go to the outlets or buy a physical ticket. It's not because the technology is not available. It's available, but because of one is a customer behavior, uh, availability, and the way they conduct business, the way they used to do business, right? So uh, in those days, it was difficult to go online. Um, the percentage was very low. And up until now, we have still, majority of the tickets sold are not online, it's still on offline. So very, very traditional, right? So some, some behaviors for some people still prefer to go and get their physical ticket so that they're sure they can get their spot at the concert, right? Uh, it's, it's not it's not only it's not um, it's all 
again, I, I believe that this is depends on one is the country based basis. You know, some country might be fully online already, like in Europe, in America, maybe in Singapore, uh, but even in Philippines, Indonesia, and, and other countries, there's still a large percentage of those uh, still offline, especially if you go in a rural area. And secondly is the uh, group of customer, because you have also youngster that still go online. And if you sell event for older generation that does not believe online or does not believe um, uh, payment online, still scared to go online, I think they still prefer to go offline. So you can see that some event is high online, some event is high offline. So that still exists until now. You know, in those days, only few percentage people go online. I still remember the time I did a mobile m-commerce on a walk-based basis where you text something and then send back. Those when we launch with the operators, you know, I get one transaction in one month. I was very happy. Wow. <laughs> so that was, uh, I, I call it too early. The technology was too early for people to adopt, right? We didn't have smartphone in those days. We were on um, Nokia base and, and, and uh, SMS base or, or yeah. No, but that's, that's very interesting, right? So I always like, you know, I'm a big believer in tech, but on the other hand, we always know that sometimes you may push, the tech is, you know, too early, right? So people are not yet ready to absorb it and you just need to stick through it and educate the market and slowly people will, will get there, right? And, uh, and, but on the other hand, tech also need to improve the process. You know, I always find it with some markets where the process is already quite good and people are used to something then maybe tech doesn't not always, you know, help to make it better. So that's why people are still reluctant to, to, to that. Um, but just reconnecting well, back I, to, yeah. Just, just want to add that uh, tech is something that you can't push to the people. You can't push the tech to the market. So the tech has to be adopted by the market. And yeah, people 100%. have to adopt those into their lifestyle, right? As long as you can solve their the pain point and make it convenient. I think that's the word, right? For them to be able to, to get what they want. Uh, I think that's that's the way to go. So it's not like you can push something to the customer to take it and, and, and it will be successful. 100%, I think it's all comes down to the, uh, you know, customer experience, right? As long as the customer experience is good, then, uh, you know, people are happy. But if customer experience is bad, it doesn't matter what tech you put behind, uh, you know, they will just not go for it. Um, but just reconnecting back to your personal story. So uh, when you, just very curious, when you joined Thai Ticket Major, where, what role were you involved in? Uh, what, 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 what were your main responsibilities? I'm sure that evolved across the years, right? Uh, well, I was, uh, I joined as a general manager right away into, uh, Tight ticket major, and in those days, then uh, we're still very manual based. When I first joined um, online, it's just we have developed the online. So as one of the people that uh, start online uh, reservation booking, uh, and then start mobile. So it was uh, quite challenging in those days because technology was not available. Uh, we were operating at a very low dial up modem speed uh, there's no no such thing as high speed internet i remember those so i we remember were, the sound 
Yeah, so you, you're still working on a dial up uh, modem uh, type, you know, you have to connect your, uh, there's no mobile that you can connect and where you go, you still have to find a telephone line and dial up. So those are challenging days and, uh, and it evolves. So things evolve, um, it's getting better and better. So um, yeah, those were tough. So I was a general manager managing uh, sales and, and a promoter and outlets and operation at the venue. So we do uh, have a venue operation uh, for, you know, uh, pick up tickets and, and, and also dispense tickets at the venue. Also outside venue, uh, kiosk where you go and set up booth and and promotional booth with promoter and, you know, accept coupon and, and discount, you know, so. Were you ever meeting artists or you were just more on the distribution side? Uh, more on the distribution side, but previously before I joined the uh, ticketing, I was uh, doing the events, uh, actually um, building the venues and, and set up the stage with the builders and things like that. Michael Jackson, one of the events that I actually, you know, involved with the artists, with the team, with the builder and and I actually uh, lived at the venue for about a week. You know, I slept at the venue and, and helped to build events before. That's before I joined ticketing. I was doing events before. Yeah, I always find it fascinating in, in our profession. I mean, myself, you know, the first couple of years, I was always on the ground running around with the radio and, uh, you know, setting up everything, making sure that everything is, it's, it's a very different life, right? So for people, that are listening today to us, they, they might be not aware that events life is, is not just sitting in the office, seeing how your ticketing money comes in, right? But it's also execution. And every event is just a you know, different, a different project, different crew, different artists. So it makes your, I always say that events made my life longer because every event is just a moment, even though I was on the working side, so you enjoy it less, but it's still a new experience all the time, right? Right, right. So that's 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 why I joined. I think that's the the excitement and and uh, you don't know what to expect. Uh, and one of the things you deal with uh, customers, uh, individual customers. So you know whether you make them happy, then you know it is it's making good service and they're happy with your events and they come out smiling. And that's that's one of the joint moment when you see a successful event and everybody finish with a good smile and and. Uh, people talked about it and so that's that's your reward in, in in entertainment life i think well satisfaction is is everything with uh, in our job and uh, uh let let us pause this uh for a second as a first section of our today's uh, interview with gary the deputy managing director with tie ticket major and we'll reconnect shortly to talk about pandemic and how this changed our lives and how this was the biggest event in our lifetime in some way <laughs> so stay tuned uh, we'll reconnect in, in a little bit <music> Hello, everybody. Uh, we're reconnecting with Gary from Thai Ticket Major, and we'll be talking today about event tech in Asia. Uh, in particular, today we're going to discuss how the pandemic affected our lives. Uh, so I would love to hear your perspective, Gary, on last year. What were your thoughts where, you know, the pandemic hit us and, and uh, you know, do you, would you ever expect that it would last that long and impact our lives that much? Mm, well, 
the big is a no. The big number is no, right? We, I, I think no one is expected. No one ever seen it. Uh, it actually in 2019, when we hear that is an outbreak, but everybody thinks that it's far away from us. You know, even though we are close to to the place where it initially happened, uh, we do have a lot of tourists uh, coming into Thailand. But we're saying, well, it's probably one of those flu. You know that it comes and goes, either bird flu, swine flu, and and it would be go away, right? And nobody actually plans or have any plan to to be impacted. And then the when it first hit, and then you realize that it's is a worldwide pandemic, and it affects everybody. You know, when you start having um, other country lockdown, and we know that we're gonna get hit, so then. Then Thailand also get hit with lockdown, with cancellation, with postponement of all the events. And that's uh, before that happened, we can see that coming. We, we try to make our best preparation for it, but nothing ever, ever prepare you for this type of um, pandemic. Uh, in, in our country, in Thailand, we had many uh, incidents. We have uh, we have the coup government take over by military. We also have um, a big flood and we have many, many protesters and, and things like that in the country would cause the, the, the events to be disrupted. But that is short term that comes and goes and we can handle it. We, we had almost a, a packed procedure. How do we do this, right? But nothing prepared us for the pandemic. When it hit, it was like a domino. It was like, all cancellations, all cannot happen. And, and that um, we cannot stop because as a ticketing company, you have to service, you know, even though it was canceled, then we have to do a refund, we have to reschedule, we have to uh, resell the tickets. And you're facing with a limited number of resources that you have, you know, your, your staff cannot come to work, uh, your outlet is closed. Uh, so, you know, you cannot travel. And, and so th those are all the challenges that, that we have during the first pandemic, during the lockdown. Yeah, I, I, I feel you 100%. I mean, same happened with us. I mean, obviously, we're also in the same business. And uh, we, in, in, in our case, we just uh, never anticipated that it would last that long. So it was always, uh, you know, something that we thought would last maybe six months, uh, not longer. And I think that prolonged period is what is the most painful because we always know that events are the first ones to go in these type of situations and the last ones to come back right um but but i feel also in, in somehow it did change a little bit our industry and uh, a lot of companies uh, like yours and i would love to hear about that uh, i know you've been experimenting with online events and uh, we know some very big success stories from uh, Korea, uh, let's say the BTS band that managed to sell so many uh, tickets virtually for their online concert. Uh, so how did you navigate those waters? I mean, obviously, you know, managing the crisis and refunding the tickets was one part, but how did you try to reinvent and, and go online? And, and what, what did you guys do in terms of to basically keep on moving and keep on uh, surviving? Well, um, in those days, we have to see what's happening, right, in, in, in early uh, 2020. And you see that even industry in food industry and online industry has shifted as well. 
So many of the logistics has grown tremendously because of delivery, uh, food delivery. Uh, so we even try, we, we start up our shopping online. We also introduce some uh, restaurant uh, booking or restaurant uh, uh, or product that people actually out of the job and they make things and they, they sell online. So we try to get in those areas as well. Uh, but again, they're already a big player in those areas, both uh, online for um, shopping uh, and online food delivery. There's a three or four already big in the market. So try to capture some of those uh, uh, market share is quite difficult because we're not in that industry. We're ticketing, we're entertainment. So to start off something new that I, I can say that is unplanned. You know, you can't just all of a sudden snap your finger and say, I'm going to start this business today, right? And it will become success, especially the market in the market with the Red Ocean. There's a lot of people already in the market and not counting people from outside Thailand entering Thailand market as well, uh, even from Indonesia and from, from other countries that, that comes in, right? Expand their, their territory into the market. So it's tough time. And so we look at uh, several things, right? Where, where people start to, artists start to go online, uh, try to survive or try to cope people with their songs or using other platform to, to, for donation, they play on online for people to donate to the artists so that they can, they can make a living. Uh, there's some people start to have some small event online. So we start to explore in those area. Uh, and then we also, uh, develop our own online streaming platform uh, internationally uh, cover the whole global uh, with ticket sales so we're doing uh, quite a number of events in, in the market Thailand and also outside of the market of Thailand so we do have streaming from outside of the market into Thailand and then wow. the Thai market and the surrounding uh, countries so uh, that was developed in 2020 and that's what we, we, we span out and we grow in that area to also capture the, the streaming market, the online streaming market. And, and this is very interesting in general, right? And we've, saw, we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, since we're talking about event tech uh, in Asia, we've seen a lot of companies pivoting towards, you know, the online part and trying to do online concerts, online conferences, online, uh, you know, different type of events. You know, I've seen even people doing marathons uh, sitting at home or like running at home and having a screen in front of them and, and competing in that way, right? So obviously, uh, this pandemic has pushed us to, to really be creative of what we can do. Uh, but just too curious to, to hear, I mean, what is your thoughts about, you know, obviously concerts is something where people go for the experience, for the physical touch, to see somebody live. I mean, how can you recreate that uh, online? Do you think is it still possible? Is it is can you guarantee that in engagement or are there any tools that you use for people to engage while watching concerts? Do they gather together in their apartments? H how does that physically happen? Do they sit alone in the rooms and just watch the concerts and chat perhaps? Uh, what have you seen in terms of uh, the level of engagement for online events? Uh, well, for online event, I still see that it's an interim. Uh, many people try to engage. We even did our own online event a couple of times, right? Initially, when we did online event, uh, there was no energy in the in the room because it's artists after they play, they they finish. There's no there's no feedback from the audience, so the artist doesn't not like doing online, uh, but they they were forced to. Uh, then we can start introducing some audience in into the small studio or something, but. 
uh, again, nothing beats life, right? You can be sitting in your home theater at home uh, with a good sound system, but you still, it's like you're watching a movie, you're watching alone, there's no interaction, maybe your family only, there's no friends, there's no, there's no drinking friends or anything that you can share experience with. I think online is still interim. We tried as many people try many things to have uh, more activities online, uh, chat with the uh, artists and having face-to-face -face like, like what we have now uh, with some lucky uh, audience. Um, there's lucky draw, giving prizes, uh, or giving tips to the uh, artists, giving virtual flower to the artists. Wow. Uh, we've seen even, even when people donate a flower to the artist, and then actually the, in the studio, we actually put a real flower on the artist, let them see that this is what you pay and this is what the artists get. You know, it's wow. every, way, every way to make money, you know, to, to, to yeah. make money from the audience and then the artists make enough money. But again, I see that there's limitation on the online, right? There's a, there's a limitation and there also and no limit to the online as well. Um, there'll be some event like you mentioned, uh, BTS, uh, where they have online streaming and they sold millions and millions of tickets. So there's no longer capacity full saying your venue is full, sorry, your 50,000 is full. You wait for your next, next performance or your next year when they come back, right? But right now they can say they can go from, from 100,000 to millions or 10 millions or 100 million. There's no limit to the online. And this is cross-border means that they can reach new customer, new audience worldwide. Yeah. So that's no. just when online has no limit. Hundred uh, percent. It's it's interesting, and we'll we'll talk about the the future of events uh, right in a bit. But uh, just coming back to the pandemic and and the last question, perhaps on that tough period. What was like internally? Like, what was your guys' toughest moment? Right, where you say, "Oh my God, this is never ending." Uh, was it last year? Was it this year? Uh, and and how did you guys? You know, I think now we're all obviously looking towards vaccination, and uh, and things are getting a lot better. But uh, like, just wanted to. Uh, you know, was there a moment where we thought, oh my God, this is really never ending? Well, I think the, for Thailand, at least, uh, Thailand, we had some lockdown in 2020 and then uh, the number has decreasing and the government started to release the relax of the, uh, the measures for the country economy to move forward. And we're still seeing events coming back. Uh, toward the end of 2020, we have uh, festival events, music events, outdoor, uh, festival events, um, including stadium events, was planned. Uh, so there was, we see that the light was coming back at the end of the tunnel, and then we we see that yes, it's it's going to be okay uh, toward the end of last year, uh, 2020, and then at December, then we 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 know that it's going to hit back, right? Because around us and in Europe and everywhere else, the number was increasing. Uh, we just maintaining the fire not to come into Thailand, but we start seeing the neighboring countries start having number increasing in terms of patients or, or affected patients. So then um, we were hoping for the best. And then when it hit in, in early this year, 2021, and then uh, followed by the lockdown, that's when we see that, that we call it as third wave. And that's when it's really bad, uh, means that the whole economy collapse and people who who has saving has resources and things are to survive the first six or nine months 
now it's at the end of the road. So um, that's what, what I see this year, even though this event coming back, it's going to be a question on economy-wise, how will the people still have enough um, resource to buy the tickets or to attend the events and even to travel. You know? So that's something, that's a big question we have to look forward to. Yeah, and for Thailand specifically, we know how important tourism is for Thailand and we know how international tourists love Thailand to go there and spend time on nice, you know, uh, beach destinations and, uh, you know, obviously there are some positive signs as Phuket, you know, opening and some people going there for a quarantine in Phuket, which is, uh, you know, uh, better than a quarantine in any other place, I would say, and, um, but um, hopefully we, you know, with vaccinations levels, we will see some uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, let's let's pause it for now, and we will reconnect just in a little bit for our last section, where we will talk about the future and about the the, the good things that uh, are waiting for us next year. Uh, so we'll reconnect in five minutes. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Event Tech Asia podcast. And we are reconnecting here with Gary, Deputy uh, Managing Director of Thai Ticket Major. And we're going to be, we are at our last section where we're going to discuss uh, the future of events. So we've previously discussed a little bit about Gary and his background. Uh, we talked about the pandemic and the challenges and how you know, Thai Ticket Major managed to navigate the waters by introducing online events. And, uh, but uh, let's discuss what is gonna happen next year, what's gonna happen the year after. Uh, so would love to hear your thoughts on how the industry is gonna come back and whether it's gonna come back in the same shape. Uh, you know, many people talk about hybrid events, many people talk about you know, introducing new norms like vaccination passports, uh, you know, we also talked about that maybe some people don't have the disposable income to go to the event. So if we would need to look into the future, uh, what, what do you foresee, Gary? Well, people <clears throat> has always, always been talking about the new normal. Uh, as we discussed earlier, I think that um, life is still the best. So people are still um, hunger for live events. Um, I think that if you look at example in Europe or in America where some events already started where people wear no masks anymore and all sold out, everybody, it's, I, I see that when it's allowed, it's going to be explosive of events where people are hunger for it, right? So they, they want to go to live events. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, whether when that happens, it all depends. So what I'm seeing is that... Um, we're following what already happened elsewhere. So we're not, we're not the first uh, uh, Asian country to do, you know, even among us. Uh, we follow what happened in other countries, in Europe, in America, right? So we've seen that it's gonna come. When? That's the question. Uh, in Thailand, people are already planning for early 2022 to have some small events. Um, there's international events planned for mid-year already assuming that they can travel, assuming that in Asia, other countries just allow artists, international artists to, to pop in without having to be 14 days quarantined and then travel between countries, right? So I think they're looking at mid next year that international events coming back. 
So that's that's what what's coming. I don't see that it's gonna come back in full blown like what we did before the pandemic. We still have to adopt to the new normal. Uh, we're still gonna see uh, smaller event. That means social distancing. Bigger venue cannot do full capacity, as we've seen before. So. You might have only 50% capacity or only 75% depends on each country or your type of events. Uh, we might not see festival all standing events in a while. Uh, I see that hybrid event will be with us for a while, uh, coming to actually full events next year. So starting from small events with hybrid online, I think that's what we're gonna see for the next at least 10 months, 12 months from now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, when you're mentioning about, uh, you know, uh, US and Europe, I just came back from Europe and, you know, the situation there is very different, right? You, it seems like people, you know, they all, the vaccination levels are high, right? So we're talking about 70, 80% in some countries, right? And, and that kind of makes, you know, the whole people very at ease. And they're going around socializing. Restaurants are full, and uh, even Germany recently they had a, I think, forty-five thousand people event, and with no masks <laughs> uh, required, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and the, not even the vaccine passport was required. So some countries really uh, adopting a very kind of liberal way of uh, looking. So we saying, look, we have herd immunity, and we just uh, this is the new normal. We'll go with it, and we want our lives back. And as you said, many people were closed at home for two years, so they can't wait to get out and start, you know, socializing and, and, and having good time. Uh, but what I'm also curious to understand and kind of your predictions and forecasting, and since we're also talking about technology, how, how ticketing companies will need to adapt, right? Do we need to, you know, integrate with the you know, government databases for the vaccine passport? Would that be required? Uh, do we need to do some special you know, um, screening when people buy their tickets. Uh, do you see any of that happening? <clears throat> yes. Um, there's even before this uh, third wave hit, right? Some events that's happening required certain um, a check-in, trashable, where if there's a, an outbreak, they'll be able to trace <clears throat> where, um, where you're sitting and who are you close to you where they have to track as well. So those has been um, something that's happening and going on. Uh, I see that for ticketing sales, I think the selling is one thing, but it's gonna be more of customer database, uh, tracking and also vaccination uh, certificate uh, to be submitted <clears throat> uh, prior, um, but also that includes at the venue as well. So venue owners or promoter has to have a measure to check people in and <clears throat> screening and things like that before they actually get into the venue. Uh, also uh, contactless um, uh, type of tickets and, and access control needs to be implemented, uh, whether it's scanning, whether it's facial recognitions or, or different type of, of uh, access, right? To, to satisfy the, the securities and, and the, the safety measure that government put out. For, right? So that's what I'm seeing. So you still foresee some special SOPs for a while to be implemented in terms of, you know, to comply with government regulations regarding like temperature checks, vaccine checking, 
so and, and all that. So you don't foresee that once the you know herd immunity is there, you know they will completely go liberal and say, okay, you're 70% of country vaccinated, let's just go back to normal. You still foresee some checks and some way of technology doing those checks uh, in, in, in a more digital and user-friendly way. Is that correct? Correct. I, I don't think we will be in, in fully liberal, what we're saying, uh, fully open uh, in the next uh, six or eight months. Uh, we're seeing that happen toward the, the uh, third and fourth quarter of next year because the government, Thai government, saying that they're going to be full fully vaccinated by the end of this year, right? And that depends on how they can achieve that, whether they can achieve that or not. Uh, and then when they fully open, they're going to still have some measures to to uh, to put out for the safety and for, for the security and then safety as well. I don't think they will just go and say, okay, now we're back to fully normal and you can just do whatever you want. Um, government always have to have a sort of uh, I would conservative say, approach yeah. conservative <laughs> so no one can name them I, I see that they will be with us for for a long time so for ticketing companies and and promoter and event uh, organizer they have to adapt these measures and they could use technology or use procedures uh, to to implement this it doesn't have to be all uh, technology based it could be all manual based depends on your manpower, your timing. Uh, I remember there were some events that happened during the pandemic that you actually schedule people that buy the tickets to come to the events at certain time. And they get to get checked and enter the events at certain time. So you don't have 5,000 people show up at the same mm. time. You have you know, certain people show up. If you come before that, you cannot enter the area. So there are you know, implementing social distance and, and queuing to get into the venue as well so yeah uh, we're seeing that coming back right. very true no and, and again curious to will i'm personally i'm very curious to see how the consumers are, are going to react as i said before on one hand we know that many have depleted their savings uh during this pandemic but we also know that you know uh in, in the hierarchy of needs uh, entertainment is kind of slowly growing and getting upper and upper because people have been, as I said, closed at home for many years, for two years now, right? So they really, uh, you know, it, um, really want to socialize and really want to get out, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm curious which, uh, what is going to prevail, uh, the need of saving money or the, the need of really going out and socializing and how the, the hierarchy of needs are, is going to change there. Uh, uh, I mean, for what I also... Yeah, so tell me, if, if you look, if you look, sorry, if you look at formula, uh, Ilya, uh, when when you have a big venue and you cannot put in full capacity, that also reflect into your higher ticket price to be, you know, to be uh, cost effective or to make your 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 margin right. So uh, with that, a limitation or restriction drive up your ticket price as well. Uh, so. If, if the artist or artist management does not work in this ecosystem where they're saying they're still gonna be charging very high artist fees and, and the production coming in, if you have to quarantine, um, you have to do a, a, the, the coronavirus test for all your crews and, and things like that, it's gonna drive up your costs. Uh, that's gonna drive up your ticket price and, and with the economy like this. So the, the equation does not work out to me at the moment. 
whatever you want to do is high cost and it's true so people does not have enough uh, uh, spending money so some event is still considering whether they should do it or not you know they're putting additional costs if you have to put the whole uh, a whole crew to quarantine even artists don't have to be quarantined but whole crew to quarantine for 14 days and the company has to pay for it that's very high cost very true, very true. No, I completely agree. The unit economics starting to change a lot with this new, uh, this new waves of you know additional requirements that uh, you know people on the ground have to implement. Uh, and perhaps the, the last question, and we already talked a little bit about that about the online part. Um, do you see that you know the online part can complement? So let's say I do a uh, you know a show and I also record it and I sell digital tickets. And perhaps maybe not the older generations, but the younger generations, you know, used to be on TikTok and on their phones all the time. Maybe they would be, you know, willing to pay some uh, ticket fee to connect and see their favorite artists. Do, do you see that that continuing to happen next year? Yes, definitely. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I can see the hybrid event uh, happening where you have uh, limited capacity, where you cannot make your your um, bottom line just for physical events. So you need additional income with the online that you do a hybrid event, both online and offline. And plus the online, you can reach uh, other customers outside of your border uh, where they cannot come to the events and they can still consume your, your, your events or watch your events. I can still see that going until next year, maybe mid year, uh, but still these are not gonna be forever. Uh, at the moment, the artists may start charging you for the online rights. And they can decide to stop that by putting heavy fees on online rights where promoters say, okay, I'm gonna do offline only. Uh, also artists saying, well, I wanna travel to different countries and get my multiple shows instead of having one show, getting one fee and everybody else watching online. So I think it's, it's a market driven and it's the people who control the market uh, that will determine whether the online still exists or not. At the moment, it was a need that online is the only way. So some artists do it themselves just to make a living. Some artists will charge some money. Uh, I see now that the online right is selling as you are watching like EPL, like football yeah. league. So True. some Expensive. online artists are saying, yeah, uh, I'm going to have my events here in my country. You want to buy my rights and I'll sell you this right. So you have to only sell tickets for your country and geo-block your viewing. You know? So uh, I've seen a lot of that now, especially big artists start to do that, right? And I'm going to see that going on for a while until that live can happen. Then this online could be you know, less money and then changing to no online at all. Previously, there was no online. When you have concert and you want to have right for online, artists were charging super, super expensive that you don't want to buy because it does not justify, you know. Online viewing, ticket price, charges are still very low. You know, you can't charge premium for online. That's still, there's no, there's no way of going out of that. That's the norm that people are willing to pay for online. No, I agree again, uh, for sure. I mean, the, 
definitely it's all about at the end of the day, uh, you know, artists making sure that they can earn money. And obviously online is a double-edged sword. <laughs> if you do uh, broadcast and uh, everybody from other country watches this, then you will have less concerts. But it's interesting how, I mean, what I find really fascinating and how in this period of time, you know, uh, technology is evolving and in reality nobody knows the future we all speculate on it and we're trying to kind of have a glimpse of what's going to happen mm. and uh you know obviously i agree with you that uh, no nothing can change the the, the physical touch and uh, if we've been on zooms and i would love to have a drink with you go back to thailand like we used to uh, and have a nice meal in the restaurant unfortunately it's not yet uh, that easy but uh, definitely it's going to change and the same is going to happen for events so in one way or another the industry uh, will, you know will be coming back very strong and uh, a lot of people will uh, will finally have fun again <laughs> not only in a virtual virtual way so I think we're go we're going a bit to the end of our podcast so I hope this will be was interesting for the listeners to see some speculation on the future and uh, you know to also note uh, Gary a little bit more uh, just to conclude, maybe one last thing, uh, any one, one prediction for, for next two years, anything that, anything that you think for sure is going to happen, especially related to Thai Ticket Major, are you guys planning anything that uh, exciting? Uh, well, it has been uh, tough almost two years, and I, I call my staff now the, the firemen because it's almost like we're putting fire out everywhere that we try, right? Uh, now we're good at it. Uh, we're hoping to, to surf above the water and clear all this. Uh, my prediction is that the coronavirus, the pandemic will be with us, uh, not just until next year. It's gonna be with us for a long, long time. Uh, no one can predict that what's gonna happen next. Could mean that last year we were planning for, it's gonna go away and it didn't. So now we're planning next year, it's gonna go away. Maybe it won't go away. Maybe you're coming back harder or, or more tougher than before with different strand. Uh, we don't know. So we have to be prepared. Whatever worse is gonna come. You prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's what I can say. I, I like that mentality. I think that mentality always will make you sure that there's no uh, bad surprises, right? So uh, if you're ready for the worst, if you're prepared, you do your homework, you do your budgeting right, you prepare technology-wise, then nothing can can beat you even if the toughest things uh, you know happens next year. So let's let's uh, find, uh, finish our podcast here. And again, Gary, thank you so much for all the insights. I think it would be very interesting for all the listeners to, to hear and also to know that you, for example, were coming from the airline industry before. I think that's particular, not many people know. And uh, I really hope to see you soon in person and perhaps do some events together like we used to back in the days. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, glad that uh, whatever I can say can benefit uh, other listeners as if there's any. And uh, thank you for having me and wish everybody good luck and hope for the best. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye, Kav. Thank you.